Hello, welcome back to Future of Film podcast. My name is Alex Stoltz. I'm the founder of Future of Film, host of this show, where it is our mission, it's our purpose to share insights and strategies from the pioneers, trailblazers, and disruptors who are shaping the future of film. Today, I am joined by Nathan Newman and Mark Forstater. Nathan is an entrepreneur and filmmaker with a background in music and post-production, whilst Mark is the highly experienced producer with over 40 years in the film and television industry. His extensive credits include, well, the legendary cult classic Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Nathan and Mark are now co-CEO of Dreambird, which you can find out more about at dreambird.co. Dreambird's the technology startup designed to reimagine filmmaking through a fairer and more equitable system that brings the audience and creators closer together. In this episode, Mark and Nathan share their vision for Dreambird and explain why such an invention and <laughs> intervention is necessary in an industry they feel is very much broken from an independent filmmaking perspective. In a conversation that spans web free technologies, real-time, as well as the economics of the streaming model, I think we get a really valuable insight into the challenges facing film right now and the opportunity Mark and Nathan see in disrupting the space to solve those challenges. So that just leaves me to say thank you for listening and please enjoy this conversation recorded as part of Future of Film Incubator 2023 with Nathan Newman and Mark Forstater. And I started the conversation by asking Nathan first to introduce himself and explain how he came to work with Mark. So I'm an entrepreneur and filmmaker. Um, I uh, started uh, with music. I studied music my whole life, music composition and performance. And um, whilst I was at uni, I set up my first business, which was a post-production business. We were doing music and sound design and eventually um, upgraded into doing pretty much everything in post-production from visual effects to editing and uh, so on. And uh, at the same time, I set up a talent agency and then I created um, a network of people where we were all kind of finding jobs for each other. And because this industry, what I learned over the time is, is very much based on which circle you're part of. So um, everyone was in different circles and we were able to bring each other into different circles and we'd all help each other out. And um, I was working with um, record labels and brands and fashion brands um, as a producer as well, um, pretty much all at the same time through this network and through the businesses that I've built. In um, 2018, I uh, met Mark and uh, yeah, we were kind of working on some uh, digital projects to do with AR and VR and um, new installations like display installations like holograms and 360 installations and um, you, you know we kind of built a, a really good business relationship and um, we've been continuing uh, ever since until today and we we do um, uh, everything from from 360 to filmmaking and, and now Dreambird. and um, I actually met Nathan about seven years ago um, when uh, a mutual friend of ours suggested I meet him, describing him as the smartest man he ever met. And I thought, well, 
I've got a man. I've got to be this man is very smart. So we met, and it, it, yes, Nathan was smart, and he had a couple of movie ideas, but they weren't really right. But so we, you know, we didn't do anything together. But a couple of years later, I was exploring um, a, an entertainment in public places, which I didn't quite understand what it was. It was a tender that I, I located, and I asked Nathan for his advice, and he showed me some of these uh, display systems like the igloo and so we thought well this is interesting let's let's try and figure out what's going on with ar vr and let's check out these display systems maybe we can create something uh, for this new um you know uh, area and we came up with some very excellent good ideas which <laughs> no one responded to <laughs> because the market wasn't there and we were ahead of our time so um and, and then we decided well let's make a movie so that's what we did. We made a film, and and from the film, Dreambird has has really um, grown out of out of our experience of making and finishing and trying to sell a movie in this current climate. I wasn't expecting to talk about AR and VR and stuff, but maybe we can we can jump into that later because that would be great to, to to hear where you see that right now. But yeah, so tell tell us about that experience making the movie. What was it that um that triggers you know you 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 forming dreambird out of that experience well the the film had uh, the, the film kind of made itself in a strange way i mean it was a very unusual situation nathan was approached by a woman producer who said i have a crew i have 20000 pounds and i want to make a movie will you direct it and nathan said sure that would be great and then she said uh, i don't have a script <laughs> So, so Nathan asked me, do, do you have anything that I could submit to this woman? So I had recently read something, which was a rom-com for Gen Z audiences called Modern Romance, which I thought was quite interesting. And it was more like, almost like a documentary of what it was like uh, dating uh, in the present day, you know, online and how people, and I, you know, uh, uh, not my generation, but I was curious about it. So I passed it to him. And uh, Nathan read it and said, uh, yeah, I like the script. Uh, I'll give it to her. And she read it and said, it's sexist. <laughs> and I don't want to do it. So Nathan said, well, will you give us your crew? And she said, sure. So we thought, okay, we have a script. We have a crew. Let's find some money. Not much money. Let's find some money. And let's make this movie. And that's what we did. So, um, and it was during lockdown. So we had a uh, he directed it during lockdown. So maybe you should talk about that. Yeah, we had to create a bubble. We were all um, living and, and working in a in a boarding school. We we kind of converted it into a movie studio. Um, we 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 built sets inside this uh, boarding school. We lived there. We ate there um, for almost a month. And uh, yeah, we we got the film in the bag. We got some really amazing, uh, talented uh, crew and actors in there. It was a, it was a good experience. And then we set out to distribute it and that's where we realized that with cinemas closed with independent distributors not making any money for 12 months um it was not an easy time to distribute a film and we realized that we were not in we weren't the only people in that position nathan is part of a facebook group of about thirty thousand producers who have films that are either not being distributed or being distributed poorly. And so we realized that A, 
it's very difficult to raise the money to make a movie. And even after you make it, it's even harder to get it distributed. So we thought this is a big problem. Yeah, I mean, we even, um, you know, we kind of made the film in a way where it was kind of secured to, to be successful. We, we had a sales agent in place, really reputable one, um, who had deals with, with the streamers at the time. <clears throat> we had, you know, Mark is, is a veteran in this industry, he knows everyone. We had a really, really secure base to make this film and uh, get it out there. But the pandemic, actually, the <clears throat> news was that the industry was really going through a, a crumble. Um, the streamers uh, had made offers to thousands of films, which they were able to retract because of the pandemic, and cinemas were shut down. It was a bad time for the industry in general, and we were able to spot a lot of the um, problems um, that, that, that were occurring without uh, the whole industry. So like producers, um, directors, uh, independent distributors, everyone was was having the same problems. and. Then we researched it more and more, and we saw that it's actually on a bigger scale. Like, um, you know, the guy who did Squid Games, he wrote it, produced it, um, created it. He only got um, something like 1% of what Netflix made from, from that um, overall. And, and they're still making money off it. But, he, you know, he got like $1.5 million. They made $150 million very quickly, and they're still making more. But he's on a complete buyout. Um, we saw that there's quite a lot of celebrities out there who were having problems during the pandemic because uh, some deals that actors had with um, the big companies were uh, being changed without their consent. So like uh, some actors were agreeing to do cinema first, but then streamers were doing streaming and cinema at the same time. There were a lot of controversies going on uh, over the last three years. And we just saw that, that, that you know, this industry needs a revamp. Yeah, we, we thought that, um, you know, the industry has been in existence for about 110 years, and it's constantly been adapting to new ways of, of uh, showing films, right? So initially it was theaters, then it became television, then it became uh, video, then it became DVD, uh, now it's streaming. So the industry keeps adapting to it, but what they're adapting is really an ancient structure, and it doesn't fit the current uh, structure. It's not technological. I mean, if you look at Netflix, you could say, well, it's a cinema with a whole bunch of movies, and you can decide which movie you want to see. The problem is there's thousands of them, and most of them are shit. So you spend 30 minutes trying to find one to watch, and then after watching it, you think that wasn't very good. So there's something wrong because, um, you know, you can't make that many films and they're all so awful. But the problem is that they're, they are technicians. They're not content creators. We're content creators. We've had to learn the technical side. Not that we're tech, we're not techies, but we've had to learn enough about it to know what we're doing. But we're content creators. Techies say, oh, this film did well for us, says Netflix. The algorithm says this is really doing well. Let's make another four of these. So you get another four, which are, you know, not as good as the one they that did well. And, and they're all very similar. And now if they start using AI for script writing, which no doubt Netflix will do, they'll get even worse. So there'll be nothing new. They'll just be old rehashed um, stories and people and scripts. And we also noticed that 
um, Netflix and Disney are not making films for their viewers. They're making films for their investors because they have so much, uh, they need so, they have so much debt and they need more investment that they have to fulfill the investment requirements of ESG. It's like tick boxing. Do you have enough diversity? Do you have enough uh, inclusion? Do you have, uh, you know, are, is everything representative? Of, you know, the, they're making films to make sure that they get enough of a grade in the investment grade that they'll keep putting funds in. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're making good films. In fact, the problem is that we have a generation of young executives who think that a good film is a good issue. Now, issues can make good films and have made good films, but not every film has to be an issue. And audiences don't really want to be watching issues. They're living with issues every day. The issues aren't very pleasant. Sometimes they just want some entertainment. But, you know, I think I think because of the their financial situation, certainly Disney and Netflix are making films that uh, feel like they don't want the audience to enjoy themselves. And we, of course, are, we want to make films that are entertaining for people. And we don't, we'll do films that have issues, but that issue is not what's making the film work. Um, so um, we've decided that we needed to find a way for independent filmmakers to be able to make films and distribute them. And that's what we set out to do with Dreamberg. We've decided to create a technical online platform where uh, we'll, there's two pillars to it, basically. One pillar is creators, producers, directors, writers, and other talent. The other pillar is viewers. Consumers, fansumers, fans, and prosumers. And those two will share the same space, that same platform. They can communicate, they can collaborate, uh, they can fund, uh, they can co-create, and have a completely different experience. So unlike a Netflix, as I described it, we have a streaming uh, service, but we also have a social media service. So people are talking to each other they're saying which films they like, they're critiquing, you know, there's a communication going on between the makers and uh, the viewers. And they can they can also switch places. Viewers can become makers uh, and, and, and producers will, will view. They're, they're sharing the whole space in a collaborative way. And um, instead of um, relying on the, the algorithm, to tell you what to watch. Um, what we found, um, which is actually it's all public uh, data, um, it takes about on average half an hour to find something to watch for a viewer on a streamer. So if you're going on Netflix or Disney, you know, it takes you half an hour to find something you actually want. And then when you watch it, um, the results say that the viewers are not always satisfied with what they found anyway. Um, on Dreambird, what we think would work better is the way that people naturally find films uh, historically is um, you would hear about it through a friend or you talk with somebody, you'd say, oh, I, you know, I really like uh, this movie. You should watch it. Or, you know, somebody and you know that they like so and so. So you tell them, oh, I think you should watch this film. So on Dreambird, we allow people to create communities and inside these communities, they can share films that they like and they can say, 
okay, this is a community for, for people who, who like specifically uh, rom-coms, then come join this community. Uh, and, uh, you know, we share the films that we like and we, we can talk about them. You can have different kinds of things that are even in development, which are not even ready to be seen. And, you know, the, the communities can be uh, governed by the people and they can decide. You can even make a community just between you and your friends. So that way you'd come on the platform, you know, okay, cool. There's four films that my friends recommended me to watch. And now I don't have to search for half an hour and I know they're going to be enjoyable. How much do you think the, um, that's really interesting by the way. And, uh, and I can, I can really see the, the vision. I'm just wondering how much you think the sort of issue around the content is to do with how the streamers have structured their like acquisitions um, and, and deals in a sense. So, Whereas before, as a as a filmmaker, you would be, you know, you'd take like the the Squid Game example, for example, you know, you <laughs> you would you'd have a runaway uh, success like that in the theaters, and then you would, you know, you would be rewarded for it. Um, yeah, do, do you want to? Is it is this? Are you also offering people a chance to participate a bit more in the um, the upside? Of course, I mean the problem with. Um... The streamers is that they've reduced or taken out completely the profit uh, participation of, of the creative side. So, uh, if you're a producer and you, you you know you're you're not getting any of the upside, you're going to take an attitude of well, this is good enough. You know, you're not going to go that extra mile. You're not going to say that I really want to make this a great movie. You might do it once. But after that, you'll say, well, this is good enough for them. That's fine. Let, let that one go through. So you're, you're, you'll make poorer films because they don't, they're don't they not rewarding you to make better films. So I think you get a kind of uh, a, a very cynical attitude, which uh, is, is very bad for, for creative uh, people. So on Dreambird, for example, let's say a producer has film, film, made a film and it's out in distribution. It's out on a few platforms. He's probably not making very much money on it. He can come on to Dreambird. He can promote the film to viewers, audiences, other people, his fans, his friends, bring all them on board. And then he can set a price to stream his film on Dreambird. And he retains, or she retains, 85% of that price. We only, we only retain 15% of uh, the stream. So this is much, much less than any other uh, Web2 kind of uh, company or partner. I mean, because we want to build uh, trust in what we're doing. I mean, so, for example, even with things like data, uh, we're not going to sell data. But if people want us to sell the data, their data, okay, we'll share the money with them. They'll get money for sharing their data. But if they don't want to, they don't share it. And we're not going to have the targeted ads. It's not going to be a Web 2 experience. It will be a Web 3 experience, which is much more collaborative and is co-creating. And it's decentralized so that everyone um, can create their own kind of way of, of uh, managing their projects. Yeah. So, for example, we think that writers will have a tremendous uh, opportunity on Dreamberg because traditionally, you know, through the studio system, writers have always been the third leg. They're not there. They were stuck in a little room. You know, they, they never got a much of a share or any involvement, usually, you know, most cases. But on Dreambird, a writer could come on with an idea and say, I'm looking for 
a director to get involved. I'm looking for a producer or I'm looking for some development money. And he could uh, he or she could find anything that helps that project move forward. And eventually a, a team will gather together to make that uh, film. And uh, they can then try to raise the money on Dreambird through investment or for people actually pre-buying a stream. Because if you have enough people who will say, yes, I'll, I'd love to see that movie, I'll pre-buy a stream, you start to get uh, some income uh, in advance. So uh, obviously when the platform has uh, a few million uh, viewers, it will be very easy to fund an entire film. To begin with, it may be that the funding and only ends up being 10, 20, 30% of a film. But this is first money, is equity, that's equity money, first money. That is the worst, hardest money to find for a film producer. Normally, everyone's running around with 60 or 70% trying to find that last 30%. It's really hard to find. But we're, we'll be able to provide that first 20 or 30% uh, from Dreambird. And then the, the projects aren't, they don't have to be exclusive to Dreambird. You can then take your project out to a studio, a streamer, a, a sales agent, or anyone else to try and get the rest of the money in or any financing. There's a you know, it's it's an open system. There's nothing, we're not exclusive uh, for people. What we're trying to do is really help uh, new films, independent films, get made and uh, distributed. And that's what we've, we think we've worked out uh, the, the right system to do it. Yeah, and uh, to answer the question, yes, the, the producers, the filmmakers, they get part of the upside much more than they would otherwise. Yeah, it's possible for a producer to come on the platform and retain 85% of the profit. That's a theory, it's possible. You're listening to Future of Film podcast with me, Alex Stoltz. Thank you for listening. And if you want to find out more about Future of Film, head over to futureoffilm.live. If you're not already, you can already sign up to our newsletter there which contains not only the latest opportunities and news from Future of Film, but also our pick of the latest articles and opportunities from across the industry. So that's all available now at futureoffilm.live. And now back to the show. We've summoned Web3 into the conversation now, so um, we need to, need to pause on that a little bit and just... It, you know, there's there's lots of I guess different uh, perspectives on Web three, uh, different different definitions of it, perhaps. Um, so I'd be really interested to hear, you know, how you see it, the technology and 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 the benefits it offers. So we see Web three as more of an age that we're entering, um, rather than um, a combination of technologies. Um, or just one technology, because what we've seen is that Web3 was first defined as, as a crypto age. Okay, everyone's got their crypto wallets and you've got your, your money digitally. Then they said, actually, it's it's that and metaverse. So now we're going to have our, our virtual wallets and we're going to explore this virtual space on the internet and have all these 3D avatars walking around. Then they said, it's actually that and AR. So we're going to start walking in the streets with our smart glasses. And it just kept growing, right? It just kept getting bigger and bigger. And we always add more and more things to it. So it's more of an age that we're entering, in, in our opinion. And, um, you know, what, what makes uh, Dreambird Web3 is, is the fact that it's decentralized. Uh, things are protected with the blockchain. Um, we will be dealing with NFTs so that 
people can buy uh, ownership of movies in a way that's never been uh, available before. Um, we are going to be giving uh, creators uh, tools, AI tools, so that they can uh, help them with the scripting. It can help them with making artwork, can help them with music, can help them with editing, um, help them with uh, dubbing their movies, uh, resyncing their movies. You know, pretty much a lot of the things that we can do in post production today can be uh, done with AI or assisted by AI. And um, we don't think that AI will um, replace uh, storytellers. It won't replace many, most jobs, I think, in the creative field. It'll be very difficult for AI to replace them, but they will be very good assistants. And I think the uh, most important thing that we're introducing is our, um, our movie simulator, which Nathan can describe. Yeah, so... I don't know if you guys have seen the latest uh, Black Mirror episode, uh, Joanne is Awful. I need to catch up on Black Mirror. <laughs> so that's their latest episode where they envision a, a very dystopian future where, uh, I won't spoil it for you, but but it's... it's I think, I think it's, always, it's always a good idea if you, have a, if you have a tech product which has appeared in Black Mirror already. So right. it sounds, yeah. that sounds promising. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, it's a, so they envision in the future where basically there's a streamer out there which uh it has all the actors on its database and all the actors are artificial intelligence so they've cloned the actors into this database and all the viewers they get the rights to all their viewers lives so that they're, they're, they're tapping the viewers throughout their lives and they've got their likeness as well but then there's other viewers at home who are watching the other viewers and they're watching this as a program uh, now, that's obviously nothing that we're thinking about doing, but we do think that, that in the future, films will be able to star AI uh, actors and it will be able to have AI avatars. And you will be able to create films entirely on the computer um, that look lifelike and realistic. And what we're doing with our movie simulator is uh, we're going to be using a lot of the cutting edge technology to allow people to create movies uh, entirely on a computer. Um, and at the moment, the technology is very good. It's very close to lifelike. There are some examples online, like the um, Matrix Awakening trailer that's available on YouTube, um, which show that, okay, it's actually it's quite difficult to differentiate, especially if you're on a small screen. Uh, maybe on a big, big screen, you can actually see, okay, this is a CGI. Um, but but on a small screen, it's difficult, and, and, and we've got access to those kinds of technologies. and. The merger of that and AI and, and the way that things are moving at a really rapid pace now, it's looking like we are going to be able to make lifelike movies uh, very soon using the avatars of, of actors if they wish to, you know, if their agents allow them to, to come onto a system like this, the voice of actors, or you can just create your own new actors and new influencers online. But even if you don't want to make a film that has photorealistic characters, uh, on our movie simulator, you can make an animated film totally on our platform. Uh, you know, and I think people who used to say uh, do a uh, you know a graphic novel or, or, or make cartoons will just decide to oh, I'm going to make a movie out of this. I'll just make it straight into as a movie. I don't need to make a graphic novel. I'll just make the film. And I think you'll see lots of uh, individuals and small groups of people getting together just to do that to make. Uh, movies uh, that are not realistic, 
and animated and and uh, you know, but not and or photorealistic. Either way, they'll they'll have the freedom to do all that. And we're seeing music videos get into a lot of these AI um, spaces as well with um, music videos where. We think that in our one, we're going to be able to put like a marketplace where people could just create templates as well that you can buy like this. You can buy locations, you can buy camera movements, uh, action movements. You know, you can do stunts that you can't do in real life. So there's a lot of things that, that we're looking to, to be able to, to allow in this and for people to be creative and, and also make money at the same time. Yeah. And also, um, we've recently been in touch with some uh, MA screenwriting students who are very excited by Dreambird. And we think uh, that, okay, I mean, this may not happen, but we think that all the film and TV students around the world will want to be on Dreambird because they can't get agents. They can't uh, get access to streamers. Uh, they find it hard to get any uh, results from existing producers. And on Dreambird, they can come on and make their own teams and develop their own projects and, um, you know, and, and see if they can get it, get their work made. Um, I think we'll have the whole young uh, creative community on, on Dreambird once we begin, because it will be the obvious place to go. There won't be any other place. Yeah, and uh, there's a whole other aspect to, to networking on Dreambird where people can um, join projects, like they can join films and maybe a filmmaker has created a project where it's a shareholding project so people can earn shares in a film um, and get paid that way. People, you know, crew will be able to get protected on a blockchain. Um, you know, you'd be able to... Uh, build a writer's table or a writer's room together. You know, you can do all kinds of, of things in the collaboration space, which again, today doesn't really exist. Yeah. And in fact, uh, we think that the first truly interactive film will be made on Dreambird because you'll be able to instantly get voting between uh, people in, in, involved in the project to decide absolutely everything from the title to the end credits, to the actors, to their names, uh, people together will decide. This is what we. This is what we'd like to do. We'll do it this way, not that way. This is the story. Let's do that. So you'll have a completely from start to finish interactive movie, probably a short film to begin with, because the people who let's say disagree with the majority can all also then say, okay, well I'll make my own movie. I, you don't like my title? I'll I'll make my own title and get my group to do that do you, so it's you, you know people are absolutely free yeah. to work find collaboration find groups find companies um you know it, it will be uh really it it, it should uh, create an, a very very revitalized independent film sector and the other uh, add on to this is that we will have virtual spaces where people can uh, network work together be a virtual cinema as well but also you can have films which are um like secret cinema style so i can actually enter a movie and play a role in the movie as part of the audience and, and walk around in a virtual space with the, the tool that we're creating wow <laughs> that's a lot to lot to unpack the simulator piece is that something you're you're doing with in unreal engine is that is that the kind of tool set you're using at the moment I think we're a bit early stage to, to decide which one we're going with. 
Um, our, our CFO would be very unhappy if we talk about that. But um, yeah, we've been talking with all the big players in this, and and you know we've been we've we've been working with Epic. Actually, Epic worked with us on our film as well. Um, they're, they're very very good uh, to work with. Um, the Unreal Engine is is excellent, um, but there are uh, a few other uh, people that, that we have been talking to as well. Other other real time engines are available. Yeah, also, um, more and more players are coming into this space, uh, like um, NVIDIA and uh, Adobe. There, Unity. There yeah. Unity. There'll, there'll be more and more players because this we think this is the this is the future. The future is going to be digital creation. You can still make a movie. You can still show it on a cinema. You can make it on real locations. But if you don't have the budget to do that, you can make it yourself. Yeah. On, on our simulator. yeah and and you can and you can uh prototype it as well that's the thing isn't it you can show to investors the 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 finished movie even if it's in blocked out and and you know and you know in sort of uh, basic animation or whatever so you can get those ideas out and with generative ai as she talks about you can start to really paint that picture now you can easily make a uh you know a a, a teaser uh, to show people. And we think that once we're up and running, traditional film investors will want to be on this platform as well, because they'll be able to see from the traction that a project is getting, whether audiences are interested in something. It'll be easy to tell from the analytics. This is this kind of idea is getting a lot of people say, yes, I'd like to do that. I'll pre-buy this. I'll, that that makes it much easier for investors to say, well, let's, let's, let's back the horse that's uh, out in front. So I think it will all feed into each each part of it will feed together to to make it work together. So what's the what's the pipeline? What's the uh, the runway to mix metaphors? Um, where 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 are you sort of where are you at in this in the process? And you know what what what's the the priority at the moment for bringing this all together? Well, we're currently fundraising, and we're concentrating on the Middle East. Um, we're talking to a group in Abu Dhabi, and um, we're trying to talk to uh, more people in the Middle East uh, for our, our initial raise. And once we have that, we are then going to have a campaign uh, while we're building the platform. We'll have the campaign for Swipe Fever to get Swipe Fever into uh, cinemas. Mm-hmm. And um, that's our rom-com, Swipe Fever. And because it's a rom-com for Gen Z, uh, that's really the first community that we expect to get onto Dreambird is is the Gen Z community, uh, because the film uh, we've got a, a very good budget, you know, to publicize it, promote it, and it's a Dreambird film. So Dreambird gets publicized through uh, Swipe Fever, you know, and they 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 help each other um, in the public um, mind. So basically, we have a, a, a we launched Swipe Fever. We're actually going to try and create Swipe Fever Day as a day in the calendar to launch uh, the film and and have some events, live events. Uh, so we have a, a well, we're going to try and create a day of good vibes and fun. We're trying to see if we can get some concerts and local authorities to get involved. So basically, we'll promote Swipe Fever uh, in up to 100 or 200 cinemas if we can get them. And then uh, and we'll stream, uh, we'll stream Swipe Fever on our own uh, Dreambird uh, streaming platform. 
uh, after the theatrical release. So it probably will be or may be the first film uh, to be streamed uh, on Dreambird. Um, and aside from that, we have um, a catalogue of uh, about 20 different movies um, with filmmakers attached to them. And uh, yeah, we've, we've got quite a lot of, um, of the content side of things. Um, and we have a VR game as well. Yeah, we're, 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 we're operating in many different fields. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I was going to say, it's, it's not limited, obviously, just to feature films. It's, it's content, uh, entertainment. Well, yeah, it's content. Well, the, the, what, we're, what we'll be promoting is films and TV series. But in reality, um, it's a content hub, like to create their hub. So um, other kinds of creation would be very easy to bring on like games, music, books, crafts, fashion, art, could all be on there because basically we're putting the buyers and the sellers together. The sellers are the producers and the buyers are the audience. The, the audience has paid for all the films in history, right? Where the studios get their money from, they get it from a finance house because eventually there'll be ticket sales which will pay Pay, it's people people have paid for all the movies in history now they're going to do it directly it makes a lot of sense so that was my conversation with nathan newman and speaking there at the end mark forstetter recorded as part of future film incubator 2023 if you want to find out more about nathan and mark you can head over to futureoffilm.live and there you can also check out all of the other episodes from the podcast and if you want to find out more about dreambird you can just head over to dreambird.co so that just leaves me to say thank you again for listening and look forward to seeing you back on the podcast very soon